I just thought that it would be really cool that as you change your time, you change your mind. Amen? It's time to think about what repentance is all about. Repentance, the word repentance in the Greek is metanoia. It means to change your mind. It doesn't mean to, uh, like, if, you know, if you grew up like I grew up in the church, I always thought repentance meant confess those sins, man. Like, confess them and then turn around, do a 180 and walk away or whatever. I, I, I just, I could never get it. And I was always on this rat wheel, man, and, and, and I just didn't understand it. And then the Lord just opened my eyes up to what the word truly means. So that's kind of where we're going to go this morning. Uh, if you guys would pray with me as we get ready to open up his truth. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is always true. It's always on time. Father, thank you for the ones that you have here today, that you that you have for this appointed time. God, that they would be set free. Set free this morning by your word. Thank you for being a God who is for us, who loves us. Thank you for your complete forgiveness in Christ, that we are complete in Christ. We thank you, Father, that you see us as you see Jesus, perfect in every way, as our representative, as someone who took upon himself our sins so that we could have his righteousness. Thank you, Father, for opening up our hearts, our minds, to your word, your truth this morning, in Jesus' name, let everybody say, amen. Hey, quick shout out to Miss Kathy for brightening up the place. Miss Kathy Theus, yes, thank you. Y'all need to come down here and smell them at the end of the service. All right, let's jump into the word. All right, so uh, Mark 3.29, we'll start here. It says, but he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Now, I struggled with that growing up because I thought I did that like 10 or 12 times, right? A week. <laughs> I thought, man, what in the world is that? Because if that's going to put me in hell forever, I don't want to do it. And then I was told at a youth camp that the way the youth pastor did it, this is 25 years ago, whatever, 10 years ago. Um, <laughs> the way it was explained, and he used this example and I, uh, of something you should you that you would say that would do that. And it was something that I had said. And I was like, well, well I'm done. <laughs> you know, there's no hope now. I've already said it. And, and it says never has forgiveness, man. I can never go back. So there is this unpardonable sin, <laughs> right? This unpardonable sin, though, is never mentioned by Paul. Never. All his 13 letters never says anything about an unpardonable sin. In fact, Paul says the opposite. Paul says that all sin is forgiven in Christ Jesus. So we have to find out the context. You see, that's Mark chapter 3, right? Mark chapter 3. Now, let me give you a little bit of hope found in John 5. There's a lot of hope found in John 5. All right, this is Jesus. For the Father judges no one, but has committed all judgment to the Son, that all should honor the Son just as they honor the Father. He who does not honor the Son does not honor the Father who sent him. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes in him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not, say shall not, shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. That's good news. So there's something about that unpardonable sin 
that is not matching up, right? So, so we're not to be afraid of it and just cover it up. We're going to go look for it. The Bible's alive. It should bring life. So when someone says there's an unpardonable sin that you can still go to hell if you've done this, man, not if you are in Christ and you believe Jesus and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall not come into judgment. There is no more judgment for the believer. You know why? You've already been judged righteous by the actions of Jesus. So as far as God's concerned, you are righteous in his eyes. Christ took your judgment. Amen. You can literally say to Jesus, you are my sin and I am your righteousness. Because there was a divine exchange. He took your sin. He didn't deserve it. You got righteousness. You didn't deserve it. But that's how much he loves you. That was the only way for you to be saved and, and not have any more judgment and to be able to pass from death into life. It only could be by Jesus. And he gets all the glory. Amen. So that's good news. So let's go back. There's something about this unpardonable sin. So Mark chapter 3. Now we're going to dive in. We're going to go back to verse 22. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem said he he has Beelzebub. You know who that is? It's the devil, right? And by the ruler of the demons, he's casting out demons. So what they were doing as far as blaspheming the Holy Spirit Jesus didn't do it by the work of the devil. He did it by the Holy Spirit. And for someone to say that that's not what's happening, and for someone to tell people that he's doing it by the devil, not by the Holy Spirit, that is not good. Would you agree? And so Jesus said, man, he, so, so he called them to himself. I love that. All the Pharisees, they were over there talking. He's like, hey, that was weak. He called them to himself and said to them, in parables, how can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. See, Satan's a divider. Satan likes to come in and divide, but he doesn't divide himself because he wants all the glory. Right? And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but has an end. No one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man. And then he will plunder his house. Assuredly, I say to you, all sins will be forgiven the sons of men. Say all sins. All sins will be forgiven the sons of men. And whatever blasphemes they may utter, whatever blasphemes they may utter. But he who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is subject to eternal condemnation. Do you know why this is in here? It's in here specifically. Who is he talking to? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, those religious people that didn't see Jesus as who he was. So they blasphemed him saying, they were telling people a different thing. Like, that he's not from God. He's from the devil, right? So think about it. If you do that, are you going to heaven? No, because you're rejecting Jesus. The only way to get to heaven is by accepting Jesus. So don't let people tell you there's that unpardonable sin. Amen? It's not for a believer. It's if you're a Pharisee and, 
religious type and you don't accept Jesus for who he is. Everybody with me? All right. So what about repentance? What about repentance? You know, that's one thing we get all the time. I get that if you all you do is preach grace, you're not preaching repentance, right? Let me show you where true repentance comes from. First of all, let's go to Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come and not the very image of the things, can never with these same sacrifices, which they offer continually year by year, make those who approach perfect. Perfect in regards to what? Well, chapter 9 says perfect in regards to your conscience. Those sacrifices could never make you perfect in regard to your conscience. Where's your conscience? So, uh, so they would offer them every year. Yom Kippur. Every year they would offer them. And, and they could never make the, the people feel completely at peace. Why? They had sin. Right? So what's the difference? Hebrews is going to tell you. The, uh, Hebrews chapter 10 tells us about it. So, uh, for them would they not have ceased to be offered. For the worshipers, once purified, would have had no more conscious sin. In other words, if those offerings every year would have worked, then there would have been no more conscious sin. But there was still a consciousness of sin when they walked away. Because they knew that that sacrifice was only good for a year. Your sacrifice is good forever. Amen? What Jesus did was greater than that. Greater. So you can come, repent, bring the animal, chop it up, go through the ritual, and, 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 and as long as your animal was perfect, you would walk away and you would be blessed for a year. Your family would be blessed, blessed for a year. But if you had a blemish, then you were. It was, it was about your offering, right? Your blessings would follow how good your offering was. How good your high priest was. We have a perfect high priest. Right? So let's go down to verse 17. Then he adds their sins and their lawless deeds. I'll remember no more. How many can say amen to that? God's not remembering your sin anymore. Why? Because Jesus did a perfect work. So if God's not remembering your sins anymore, you should not be remembering your sins anymore. You should be more sun-focused than sin-focused. Right? Now, where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So now, no longer an offering for sin, what's that mean? You should have no more consciousness of sin. No more consciousness of sin. Right? Um... Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way, which he consecrated for us through the veil that is his flesh and having a high priest over the house of God. Right. Uh, let us now draw near with a true heart, full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Now, in the context, an evil conscience is a sin focused conscience. Because that's what Satan wants you under. He wants you thinking you're sinful. Look at your sin. Look at your sin. How can you call yourself a Christian? That's a sin conscience. That's where the devil wants you. But we shouldn't be there anymore. We should be under the sun conscience. That yeah, we sin, but God still loves us. Right? Uh, evil conscience. And, and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast to the confession of our sin. 
Because that's how some people read it. They want you to be so focused on your sin that all you do is walk around confessing every time you mess up. Every time, like every two seconds you walk around for the, the, the littlest things. Confess, confess, confess. No, the Bible tells us confess our hope. Confess our confident expectation of good. The word El Peace. That's what we do. We, we, we hold fast to that. Guys, you can't hold fast to sin. Because that brings death. But this is a new and living way. That means that once upon a time was an old way. But now there's a new. Same chapter. He says that Jesus had to come to get rid of the old to establish a new. The old was death. The law. The new is, is grace. It's, it's a new and living way. Beautiful. Without wavering for he who promised is faithful. God is always faithful. And, and this is in Scripture. This is one of the most powerful chapters in the whole Bible. All right, preaching the consciousness of sin is actually dishonoring the work of Jesus. Comma. It's supposed to be a period. That time got me. <laughs> but honestly, if I'm up here like I used to do before I, I repented and changed my mind, man, I, I, I would put people in bondage and i would talk about how how you gotta you, you gotta you know think about it i would actually have people at the end of the service uh, uh, bow your heads and just start confessing your sins man before you come to the altar you gotta get right don't come down here with sin get rid of it cut the handles off right that kind of thing walk back without the sin <laughs> you, you try to give them all these tips meanwhile you're up here struggling <laughs> i'm like dang i'm already on the altar I'm going to die. Right? <laughs> That's what happens when you're so sin conscious. You're so sin focused that you forget about Jesus. You forget about what we just read. That God is now no longer remembering your sin anymore. That's the news that people need to hear. That's the gospel. That's the good news. They don't need to hear how bad they are. They need to hear how good he is. And what he did for us, man. It's beautiful. Look at Romans 5.8. But God demonstrates his own love toward us us that in th in that while we were still sinners christ died for us so don't let people say hey man get right before you come down don't let people say hey man god's only going to bless you when, when you get right it's the exact opposite it's the exact opposite that we still sin christ died for us that while we were still does it say that while we were still repenting people read it that way don't they while we were still repenting, Christ died. No, while you were still sinning, Christ died for you. What came first? When Peter denied Jesus with cursing and swearing in front of everybody. And he looks at Jesus. Had Peter cried yet? No. He looks at Jesus. Jesus looks back at him. And people say, man, it was, a, it was a, like Jesus was hammering him right there, man. You don't ever want to feel that. Jesus looked at him with love. He said, Peter, you're still the rock. Don't forget who you are. And that, the goodness of Jesus, caused Peter to weep. It, it caused him to repent. He wept. But people say, hey, man, you got to. Sometimes a pastor's goal at the end of the, is to get people to cry. And I can say that because it used to be one of my goals. The more kids I had crying out at the altar, man, the more powerful that message was. 
But I, of course, I didn't think that way. But looking back, that's exactly subconsciously what I was doing. That it was a successful service because I had all these kids and parents crying down here repenting. You know what makes a service successful? It's when people receive the finished work of Jesus. Let Jesus do the work. Why would I do double work? It is so much easier to do what I'm doing right now than it was 10 years ago. I had literally no effort. And you guys are like, I know. <laughs> but I, I mean, we don't see a lot of notes, do you? I used to have pages of notes trying to hit every point. And I get home and go, dang, I forgot that one. You know? I do that now. And God's like, the reason you didn't say it is because I didn't want you to say it. It's not that you forgot. It's just you're going to make some stupid joke about it. I'm like, I ain't going to say it. <laughs> Whew. All right. So let's, let's talk about 1 John 1.9. All right. 1 John 1.9 has put so many people in bondage. So many people in bondage. We're not going to get deep into it. I have a whole sermon on that. But if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Right? That's what it says. But 1 John 1, 9 was not written to the believers. Okay? Was not written to the believers. 1 John chapter 1 is written to the Gnostic Jews. And you can go look that up, do some research on it. But that one verse, man, holds everybody in bondage. And you got to confess to be forgiven. Did you confess today? Did you get it all out at night? No, no, I, no, I didn't. I forgot something. In fact, I fell asleep confessing. And then I had bad dreams. And then I woke up feeling like I wasn't worth it. Right? That's how it does it. That's how it works. The flow. So look at, I want you to look at 1 John chapter 2. Chapter 2, the next chapter. Now he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he himself is the propitiation for our sins. And not for ours only. The world sins forgiven. They just don't know who forgave them. When, when, when Jesus comes back, Hebrews tells us this. When Jesus comes back, it has nothing to do with sin. Sin's already been dealt with 2,000 some years ago. Sin's dealt with. Sin's paid for. Even the world sin. God doesn't forgive sin based on the confession. He forgives sin. He forgave sin back on the cross. But the moment we confess Jesus, that's when we get the righteousness. And that's what the world needs to hear. Their sins forgiven. Stop telling them they're sinners. Start telling them that someone paid for it. That's the gospel, right? So I love it. it says, my little children. He doesn't say that in chapter one. You notice every book, whether it's uh it's 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 Peter, it's it's uh Peter, or it's it's John, or it's James, it's always my brothers, my children, right? Because these guys were sent to write to the Jewish people. Paul was sent to write to the Gentiles. And, and to speak to the Gentiles, you can see that in Scripture, uh, Peter, James, and John were to go to the Jewish people. So these books are not written to us. They're written for our benefit. We glean from it. But when he says, my little children, these things I write to you so that you may not sin. And if anyone, does it say if anyone repents, we have an advocate? If anyone confesses their sin, we have an advocate? Nope. If anyone sins, you don't need an advocate if you're not sinning. You don't need a cross if you're not sinning. 
But this is God's love for it. If anyone sins, we have an advocate. What's an advocate do? He's like, I got this one. He believes me. He believes you sent me. He believes you raised me from the dead. He's mine. Okay, next case. Right? Satan's going, dang it. <laughs> next. All right. Oh, just in case you were wondering about 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, let's look at 1 John chapter 2, verse 12. I write to you, little children. Why? Why is he writing? Because your sins are forgiven you for his name's sake. So if your sins are forgiven based on your confession in chapter 1, and now John's turning around saying this, John's got schizophrenia. Or chapter 1 wasn't written to believers. Right? Because if you're reading this book, you're like, John, what the heck, man? I don't understand, dude. Who is the author of confusion? It's Satan. But it's pretty clear when you understand who he's writing to. Amen? Romans 2.4, do you despise the riches of his goodness? The riches of forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repent. Now, some people have Bible dyslexia and they say it's, <laughs> it's when you repent, you have the goodness of God. That's what they say when they say you're going to be blessed as long as you obey and repent and all that stuff, right? But it's the goodness of God that leads you to repent, to change your mind. It's not the badness of man. People are trying to preach sin, consciousness, and all that. It's never going to lead them to repent. That's why they do it every week. Sometimes the same people. When I was growing up, there was just one lady. Every Sunday, she'd come down like, Grandma, dang, it's going to be another hour. Because you just knew she's going to be down there wailing for like 30 minutes. And, and we, I would actually pray that she wasn't at church. Because <laughs> I'd get hungry around 12 o'clock, right? Isn't that awesome? Isn't that a great way to see people? And God took that guy and made him a preacher. Because <laughs> now you're going to wait till 1 o'clock to go eat. <laughs> I'm just joking. <laughs> like, sometimes it is, right? But look, it's the goodness of God. That's what it was about Peter. Peter didn't repent. He didn't cry and break down until the goodness of God was looking at him in the face. Even though he just cussed his way out of the out of being killed, right? He, he, he turned on God. Wait a minute. If you deny Jesus before men, Jesus is going to deny you before his father. Well, what about Peter? He did that. Is God... Any different with Peter than he is with us? No. So what happened? Peter was actually the rock of the church. God restored Peter. Even though he did not. So that's how I know that that look coming from Jesus was not a look of condemnation, but of love and encouragement. Amen? All right. John. Uh, John the Baptist. I want to show you that John the Baptist did preach repentance of sins. Confessing sins. Right? There is a confession uh, repenting under the law. And I'm going to show you right here, right? John came baptizing in the wilderness and preaching a baptism of repentance for the remission of sins. Confess and be forgiven, right? Then all the land of Judea and those from Jerusalem went out to him and were all baptized by him in the Jordan River, 
confessing their sins. See, people throw that out. They were confessing their sins. But I want to show you what John the Baptist was under law. There is a confession of sin under law. We're not there anymore, church, but there was one. There was a day when, when your blessings were based on your confession. But we're not there. Look at Luke 16. The law and the prophets were until? What's that mean? It stopped. And by the way, the name John means grace. Check this out. The law and the prophets were until grace. Isn't that beautiful, man? Right? Since that time, the kingdom of God has been preached, and everyone is pressing into it. So John was up was the last prophet of the law. So when you go back to Mark chapter 1, and you see John preaching a repentance for the remission of sins, that's what the law was designed to do, right? The, and they were confessing their sin. But now, same chapter, see this 4 and 5? You drop down to 14 and 15, now here comes Jesus, right? Now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled, that means it's complete, it's completed, and the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe in the gospel. Not for the remission of sins. It's two different gospels now, right? It's two different repentings, I should say. Two different ones under law, where you repent to be forgiven, and one is under grace, where you repent because you're believing in the good news. You guys see that? It's very important. I, I, if I'd have known this when I was in high school, how many can say amen? Ooh, repentance of the gospel. This is, you guys need to really write this one down. Because repentance of the gospel, what Jesus is talking about, is giving up your self-righteousness. It's giving up all your pretensions to, toward, uh, toward that you can work your way into God's goodness. By your confessing. By your works. By your doing. You can't do it. So, so the repentance of the gospel is, is, is believing in Jesus. It's believing what Jesus did for you. It's the good news. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news, right? For I'm not ashamed of it, for in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. Amen? So repenting is saying, hey, it's not about my righteousness anymore. It's all about what Jesus did for me. His righteousness, right? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, not your own. You have none. Bible says yours is as dirty as a filthy rag. His is not. And you have his. It's a gift. Righteousness is a gift for you to receive it. You can receive it or you cannot receive it. Right? We get that option. Romans 4, 5, but to him who does not work, but believes on him who justifies the ungodly. The just of, aren't you glad it says ungodly? <laughs> It'd be nothing for him to justify the godly. There'd only be Jesus. But he loves us so much that he justifies the ungodly. But it's by faith. See? His faith is accounted for righteousness. It's strictly by faith. That's the gospel. Uh, that's, the, that's repenting to the gospel. You're changing your mind about, hey, it's not about me, my works anymore. It's not about me confessing my sin to be forgiven. I am forgiven, therefore I confess. Right? 
When, when you know you're forgiven, now you can say, man, I know I'm forgiven for that. Thank you. That's confessing. You're acknowledging Jesus and his finished work. And it doesn't hold you down. Because when you confess to be forgiven, you get on a rat wheel and it'll never work. But when you confess because you're forgiven, now you're giving Jesus the glory and that gives you the power to go. Woo! Look at Paul. Paul said, now he's talking about Jesus and he gets down to this, testifying to Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance where? Toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. Now you're repenting. You're changing your mind toward God. In other words, I used to think God was out to get me when I messed up. But now I know he loves me. And even though I mess up, I get, still get all the good. Because he's good. Not because I'm good. Amen? So now it's just changing your mind. And you know, the first, what is the first sin in the Bible, church? The very first sin. Think about it. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago, maybe a month, but there's a sin that happened before the temptation. The first temptation was not to eat the fruit. The first temptation was to make God look stingy. Satan, he said, did God really say? You remember that? But look at this. In Genesis 2.16, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree, of the garden, when you may, you may freely eat from it. Freely eat from it. The word freely was dropped when Satan was talking. God is not stingy. He said, there's one I don't want you to eat from. It's like a tide. You're giving me back that first. Don't, don't mess with that one. But of every tree, there were only two people on the earth. <laughs> I, think about all the trees. Two people. You tell somebody not to do one. They gravitate toward it. That's what the law does. My wife makes cookies. She says, don't mess with them. Okay. <laughs> right? You walking around the cabinet? <laughs> Anybody else? Anyway. So, so God tried, or Satan tried to make sting, uh, God look stingy, right? Change your mind, church. He's not. He's giving you every good and gift from above. Amen. Does this verse make God look stingy? For God so loved the world, the cosmos, that He gave His only begotten Son, someone who was not sinful, someone He loved dearly. He gave to this sinful world. Does that seem like a stingy God? Would you give your child up? For somebody? Because you're stingy. <laughs> Honestly, God is not like that. God is not stingy. You know why? He loves you. So repent toward God. In other words, I used to think God was this way. Now I know he's not. Now I know he's good. And I know he's for me. Even when I fail him, he does not fail. He prevails. Guys, think about testimony. If you didn't fall, how would anybody else know how to get back up when they get to that situation? God turns those around and makes them work for you. 
All right, this is Peter. Peter does use the word. So Peter goes and he preaches to, he's preaching to everybody in Acts chapter 2, right? And the Holy Spirit came and and he's preaching. He's preaching about what Jesus did. He's preaching about what Jesus accomplished. He's preaching the gospel of Christ. And look what happens in, in verse 36. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. These people are Jewish people out there. They were likely there when Christ was hanging. They were likely there before that when, 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 when they had a choice to release one of them. They were saying, no, crucify Jesus. These are the people that are sitting there. And now they come, to, they change their mind, and they, they know exactly what Jesus is and what he was all about. These same people are about to receive the very people that God chose and and, 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 and had a history with and had a future for and they turned on Jesus these very people are going to be the first ones blessed that's God's heart for people just when you think you don't deserve it God says I'm going to show you how you don't deserve it but I love you so much I'm going to give you everything you could ever ask for he's just going to give you everything you that's what the Bible says above all that you can ask or think So if you come to me and say, hey, man, you're just giving people hope, man, worldly hope. No, I'm giving you Bible hope. The Bible says that. Amen? Therefore, let all the house of Israel surely that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said to them, repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. What about that? There's remission of sins. They had to repent. They had to change their mind. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Don't forget. Now it's repenting under Jesus Christ in the name of Jesus Christ. So it's a different kind of repentance. It's still not the old repentance of the law. It's repenting that Jesus Christ paid the price. He just said that in the whole chapter. He's talking to the Jewish people. They now see the Messiah. He's saying, change your mind for, for that Jesus paid your, for your sins. Yes? It's literally what the context is. It's beautiful. Now, this Acts chapter 10, Peter doesn't use the word repent. Sometimes he would, sometimes he wouldn't. Uh, this is Acts chapter 10. It says, there was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius, right? A centurion, so he wasn't Jew of what was called the Italian Regiment. I am from the Italian Regiment. I did an ancestry, and I'm, I'm from Sicily. It's a lot. My last name is Rumore. My grandfather, not my nano, is from Sicily. All right, so don't, don't sit there and judge, brother. So that's where I get that I'm from the Italian Regiment. Might be a little piece, but I might be old Cor- Uncle Corn. Never know, man. All right, what was he? He was a devout man and one who feared God. That's a good thing, right? With with all his household, who gave alms generously to the people and prayed to God always. So he th- that just goes to show you that there's there's people that are that that are all about fearing God and and working and giving, but they don't have the gospel. They're doing it from the wrong heart. That the, their heart is to please God. And their, their heart is to give back to the people like Cornelius did, but he didn't have the gospel. And Jesus, uh, uh, God's about to bring it to him through Peter. 
This is the very first time a Gentile receives the Holy Spirit in the history of the world. Crazy. You ready for this? And it's because he heard the gospel, right? So, so Peter, God sends a, a vision. He puts Peter in a trance. Remember that? And, and the meat comes down, and he's like, man, I, I would never eat that And God, because it's dirty. And God said, don't call anything uh, unclean that, that I have cleansed, right? So go ahead and eat what you want. The people that try to do that Jewish diet, you can't eat shrimp because it's a bottom feeder. I'm like, good, more for me. <laughs> bacon. Can anybody live without bacon? Honestly. I mean, I know you got to have Jesus, but can anybody truly live without bacon? <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's a swine. So, but listen, that's religious, right? So, so I always quote that, man. How are you going to eat bacon? Well, don't call something unclean that, that Fred cooked. All right. Uh, gave on. So he had everything but the gospel. So God sends a vision, and then God sends people from Cornelius' house to uh, Peter to get him, right? He actually had three of those. Visions, and, and so now he's coming back to Cornelius' house. Uh, so we'll skip down to verse 42. And he commanded us to preach. He's telling them about Jesus, right? He, and he's telling this to Cornelius' whole household. He, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and of the dead, to him, all the prophets witness that, through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. Now, does he use the word repent? He just says if you believe in Jesus, you will receive the remission of sins. Doesn't he? Well, where's the repenting? Where's the confessing? It's not there. But do they repent? Let's see. Ooh, 44 and 46. All right. While Peter was still speaking those words, what words? What did he just say? Whoever believes in him will receive remission of sins. While Peter's speaking that, while he's speaking that, what happens? When Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who heard the word. And the word fell there in the Greek is a love hug. Like they felt such love. The moment they heard that, that whoever just believes in Jesus will have forgiveness of sins. That's good news. That's good news. That's what people need to hear. And they felt God's love. The Holy Spirit fell. Fell, fell. Verse 45. And those of the circumcision who believed were astonished. They were astonished. As many as came with Peter because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. For they heard them speak with tongues, and they magnified God. Isn't that amazing? They magnified God. Why? Because all they heard was, was what? Because of Jesus, if I just believe what he did, my sins will be forgiven. That's the gospel. That's the good news. And Cornelius didn't have that. He was giving. He believed God. He feared God. But he was under law. He was under the repentance of the law. So, so Peter never said repent in that one. But did they? Oh, yeah, they did. You know what? They were just unconscious of it. They weren't conscious of their sin. They were repenting of their mind toward God. That God does love me even though I sin. That God is for me even though I fall. They changed their mind. But they did it in a way. It's like when people come here, right? You hear this message and you don't even know you're changing your mind. But you're repenting. Why were you sick? 
All right, next chapter, Acts 11. Very next chapter, right? Now the apostle and the brethren who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, those of the circumcision, that's the Jewish people, they contended with them. They argued with them, saying, you went into the uncircumcised men and ate with them. God forbid you go eat with a sinner. My wife's best friend in high school, he and I got stuck together at their 20-year reunion in Lake City. Sitting at a table, all these people going around, they know each other. He and I don't know all these people. So we're just talking, man. He starts asking these questions. I led him to the Lord that night. and It was unbelievable. But you know what? He had a beer and I had a beer. And I'm like, listen, I hope you hear my heart. Most people, religious people, would say what? And they look like this too. <laughs> Listen, it's not about that. It, the, the beer was not the subject. God knew that was the night. That was the moment. That was the time. He was going to change that man's life forever. I always tell people, man, Jesus turned water into wine and the church has been trying to turn it back ever since then. It's not about that, guys. To he who is pure, all things are pure. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not promoting what happened. I'm promoting that night I know what happened. It was not about that. It was about him. And people would just judge people. How can you go? How can you go and sit with all these sinners? Sinners were attracted to Jesus. There's a reason. If sinners are not attracted to you, something's wrong. Amen? So, uh, woo! That was a dance move, all right? Ain't nobody tripping up here. Y'all tripping. All right. Uh, oh, my goodness. We're almost done. All right. Uh, oh, saying, saying you went into their household. But Peter explained to them in, in, in order from the beginning, saying, look, he, he's basically saying, man, this is what happened. <laughs> if you drop down to verse 17, he goes through the whole thing, the whole story. But look at verse 17. If therefore God gave them the same gift, as he gave us when we believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, what gift was it? The forgiveness of sins. If God gave the Gentiles that household the same gift he gave to us when we believed in Jesus, man, who was I that I could withstand God? What am I? You know how them Jewish people do that? They always say, who am I? <laughs> no one, bro. Now go buy a new shirt. Why you got to rip your clothes all the time, man? You get mad, you rip. <laughs> that's where, the, that's where uh, what's his name from North Carolina gets it, man. Just, I'm like, what, are you Jewish? Now he's Superman. All right. All right. Uh, so who am I? Like, when they heard these things, when they heard these things, they became silent. And they glorified God, saying that God has also granted to the Gentiles repentance to life. Repent. How do you get repentance to life? You believe Jesus. You believe he did a perfect work on the cross. Now you have no more consciousness of sin. And now you have repented to life, a new and living way. If you're always confessing sin, it's not life, it's death. It's condemnation, it's shame, it's guilt. God does not want you there. 
He doesn't want you to don't put yourself there. Get up from there and come over here where you have repented to life. And you sell it. Man, they, they glorify God when they knew that God loved the Gentiles just as much as he loved them. Glorified them. And I love this part right here, man. Don't ever forget. God granted. You can't have nothing unless God grants it. Nothing. What did God grant them? Repentance. That means God allowed their minds to be changed toward God, toward himself. He wanted them to see. It's repentance toward life. We're not walking around here confessing our sin all day. We're walking around here confessing our Savior. That's why we have life. Jesus is the only way that you can have life. He is the... Is that true? Yeah. So how do you have that? Well, you confess that. You will have whatever you say, good or bad. I'm a sinner. Boom. Head goes down. I'm saved by grace. Praise you, Jesus. Amen. It's just a different attitude. You're repenting. It's the way you think. Change your mind, church. Amen. And don't ever forget that God loves you. God loves you. He gave you Jesus. And now you are repenting toward God because you see his love for you. You see his goodness toward you. Amen. Stop beating yourself up when Jesus took that beating for you. And he's alive today so that you can have life. Stand up and give him praise, church. We are so thankful that you guys were here this morning. I know that the Holy Spirit granted you the opportunity to be here this morning. Amen. God grants you the opportunity to sit here this morning. He grants you the opportunity to change your mind, to change your thinking, to see God as good for you. Amen. For you, not out to get you. If you've struggled this week with something and you've fallen, uh, maybe your spirit was down, maybe you focused a little too much on where you failed, man, I encourage you to focus on Jesus, your Savior. Amen. Start start confessing hope. Start confessing hope in Christ. Don't confess sin. It's already paid for. Confess hope. And man, let that just that power build up inside you. That's that's your power. God gave it to you to do great things, even greater things than Jesus himself. But if Satan can get in here, hey, sometimes you don't even need Satan to get in here. Sometimes you are good enough at it yourself. Man, drop all that. Don't confess that. Start confessing Christ, your Savior. Your perfect land. Amen. I hope that encouraged you this week. Um, if you're looking for a church, this is who we are. It's who we believe. It's it's what we believe. It's it's what all the elders believe at the same time. There's there's no denying it. it took me years to change their mind. I'm just joking. <laughs> God granted it, right? Even back when they were wanting to get rid of a brother, the Lord sustained me. I'm just joking. That didn't happen. <laughs> but if we ever get together, I'll I'll tell that story. Like it did happen. You know, it's like that big fish that I caught. Um, anyway, this is who we are. We believe in the grace. We believe in the gospel of Jesus Christ. It, it is life-changing. It's changed my life. Um, and so if you want to be a part of that, we'd love for you to be a part of that. Just come down here and, and uh, let us fill out a, a, a piece of paper. Just get a record of your family so that we can keep in touch with you. Um, also, if uh, you have a prayer request, man, we had an opportunity to pray with a family member this week. I mean, it was, it was pretty powerful. I mean, it, you know, we're all by faith. We're just going to love one another and speak truth over each other. Amen? 
that's you, and you want to have a prayer time, we'd love to do that with you at the church. Just if you, if you find one of us, man, we got oil. We'll pray over you. We'll anoint you, your family, and we'll just confess hope over you. If you do not know who Jesus is, that I man, it would have to be almost impossible if you sat in here and heard this message. Amen. He's for you. He loves you. He's completely forgiven all sin, all the world's sin. He's got uh, he, 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 nothing catches him by surprise. If this is your day, you will know it. His, he will, his Holy Spirit will draw you to his presence. Um, please find one of us and let's pray over each other and just thank the Lord for for uh, your salvation. And you don't have to take a 10-week class. Say amen. That's not where your salvation comes from. It comes from the Lord. And just being in here, sometimes this is like a class. Amen, would you say? Sometimes it's like a 10-week class or whatever. It, we're reminding you of how much he loves you and who you are. Um, we're going to dismiss our church service by having Pastor Dwayne come up and pray a blessing over you. Uh, receive it by saying amen. That just means as you know, let it happen to me as he is speaking. So if you feel that, just say it at any time. Amen. Let's pray, church. Heavenly Father, we just thank you so much, Lord, for this opportunity you've given us, Lord, to hear your word. Father, I know, Lord, that your word did not fall on deaf ears, but ears that were ready and willing to hear and to receive. And I just thank you, Father, for giving us the faith to, to, to believe your word, Father, to trust in your word. Thank you that through your word, Father, you reminded us. You reminded us, Father, just how good you are, just how much you've done. Just how strong your love is for us, your desire for us to prosper in all things, even as our our souls prosper. Father, thank you for just uh, just reminding us to think rightly about you, to think rightly about ourselves and each other. Because of what Jesus has done, we are now the righteousness of God in Christ. Father, let us call ourselves, call one another what you call us. Let us call you what you have told us you are. Let us walk by faith, not by sight. I just speak faith and encouragement and hope and love and peace over your people today. For each person here, regardless of the situation, regardless of the circumstance, our Savior is greater. He's with us. He's for us. He's delivering us. He's taken us to a place that he has designed specifically for us. A place that's flowing with milk and honey. Thank you, Father, for restoration. Thank you, Father, for your hand being upon our lives. We thank you, Lord, for equipping us with this word. We thank you for every opportunity, Father, that you give us to share this good news, this gospel about Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. And it's in his name we pray. Let the church say amen. Amen. We are dismissed.